Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Greetings and welcome back to another informational episode of Dollars and Sensibilities. I'm your host, Bill McBride, here with my good friend and co-host, a man whose computer has no backspace button because he doesn't make mistakes, Mr. Andrew Martz. Andrew, how are you today? (laughs) I wish that was true. I wish that (laughs) I am a constant right right mouse click button so I can like immediately make the changes. You go through and and Word or Microsoft will tell you like something spelled wrong or there's a grammatical error. I immediately hit the right mouse button to to correct it. I don't wait until the end. Interrupt my train of thought. We're on to we got to make that pretty. No colored lines here. (laughs) All right. Question of the day. Andrew, have you ever taken the easy road, even though it might not be the best for you in the long run? Oh, um. Well, even though I'd like to think that I don't, I think the obvious answer would be yes. I don't know if I can give you a specific example right now, but yeah, at some point in my life, I, I definitely have taken the the easy road um, and fallen fallen victim to humanity. Yeah, I, and I was trying to think, you know, like like you, I'm. I'm I'm struggling to think of when I have, but I know I have, right? And and it could be the little things, it could be the big things in life, but um, today we're going to show you where the easy road and the hard road meet and become one and the same. Uh, it's an, an age-old question that we hear from, from clients all the time. It's all about the 401k rollover today. So first, the definitions, what is a 401k? Yeah, so a 401k is very simply an employer-sponsored retirement plan, and it can be pre-tax or after-tax, but essentially it's, we refer to them as qualified plans because they qualify for some sort of tax benefit. But the, the real key here, unlike other retirement plans, a 401k specifically has to be offered by your employer. Right, so what we want to talk about with the 401k is, um, we're, we're, we're skipping a, a lot of elements just to get to the general point of you're the person that had this job for two, five, 20 years. You've got a 401k and you want to know when you leave your job what to do with it. The question is, and we all face this at least once in our careers, to roll or not to roll. Right? We hear about a rollover 401k, a rollover IRA, and, and today we're just going to dissect that and, and talk about what we're rolling to and, and what, those, what those words mean. Right? So, and this where is am probably I even, this is so relevant today because as we've talked about in previous episodes, we just talked about this, I think last week, where people are changing jobs more and more often. Previous generations stayed with a single company or a single employer for decades. Maybe they only had 
two different employers throughout their careers. Now, people are changing jobs five, six times before they're 30. So if you're moving that often and that frequently and have 401ks and you're collecting these these smaller retirement accounts at different places, this question becomes just that that much more important. Yeah, absolutely. And and it can it can provide this kind of jumbling of our of our financial brain where we go, well, I got, you know, three different employers that I had three, five, and ten years ago, and I've got these 401ks sitting there and and we tend to kind of kick the can, right? And that's the easy road. Like what do we do? Do nothing. That's the easy road, right? But we're going to show today where there's there's really two basic choices and how they differ and how it's not it's not so hard taking the hard road, right? So two basic choices when it comes to the 401k. First, you can take your existing 401k with company A and, quote, roll it over into your next company's 401k. So this this seems to be a popular choice, and I'm going to argue that it's not necessary and not beneficial uh, in most cases. But it goes back to the question of the day, Andrew, meaning that this is the easy road, right? If your new employer accepts a rollover from your previous company's 401k, you can do that. The paperwork seems simple enough. If you ask the HR person at your new company, they'll say, okay, you've got a 401k from your previous employer. Just dump it into our 401k and be done with it, right? So the question is, is that the right thing to do? Okay. So 401ks typically give you about 15 to 20 mutual funds to choose from. You can't buy individual stocks usually, and you can't buy individual bonds usually. So in your 401k, your diversification and investment choices are predicated on the choices that have been made for you by the plan administrator. So all that's to say that you're you're sitting at your job, they say, hey, after 90 days, you can sign up for this 401k. They give you a choice of 20 different mutual funds. There you go. And that's that's what you got to choose from. So, so let's dive a little deeper, see why this may not be the optimal choice of just taking the next company's 401k and wrapping all your money into that. So first question is, Andrew, what funds are they choosing for you and why? Like you alluded to, there's going to be a limited amount of investment options. I would argue that most plans will provide you the opportunity to diversify in what you would call pretty traditional investment options, meaning they're going to have a broad array of individual stock funds, both U.S. large cap, small cap, some international options. They'll have probably a a number of different bond or fixed income options for you. And then they'll have pre-asset allocated funds, whether those are you know, just your basic conservative or growth, or if they're very popular now are the the life cycle funds or the retirement ready funds, which are, are going to be allocated based on your assumed date of retirement. So let's say it's like a retirement 2055 fund that would assume a person's set to retire and attain age 65 around the year 2055. And as we get closer and closer to that date, it becomes less aggressive and and more and more conservative. I don't know if this is necessarily a discussion of the validity of each of those investments and they can vary by plan, right? Some plans are very good. Some plans are not as robust and not as good. Uh, But I think from a basic level for 
investors, you certainly will have the opportunity for diversification. Now, is that the best for you? I don't, I don't know. It'll at least give you the opportunity to diversify your funds. Andrew, I know you've set up 401ks for companies, as have I, and I, I found it remarkable that in setting up 401ks for a company, we go to these third-party administrators and they say, okay, Bill, we're going to set up a 401k or help you set up a 401k for your client's company. Um, these are the 80 funds that we have available in the 401k. You've got to pick 15 or 20. And, and uh, you know, it occurred to me right off the bat, it was like, well, why? Why are we limiting these people's retirement to 15 or 20 mutual funds? And I think the answer is simple it, in that most people that are entering a 401k or signing up for it with an employer are not consulting with anybody. They don't know what investments to pick. Asset allocation is kind of two words put together that has some alliteration to it, but really no meaning, right? Diversification, they understand the concept, but they're not sure how each individual fund would fit in there. So you're right, Andrew, the, the target date funds seem to be the popular ones. And you can just say, hey, you know, if I'm 30 and I'm going to retire in 25 years, I'm going to choose a target date 2045 fund or, or whatever the date is. But I think that's shorting yourself. You know, certainly you're not going to get too hurt doing that. And that's why they only allow those funds where an uninformed investor is not going to get hurt too badly if the market goes south. Right. And that's that's why they only offer those funds. Now, going back 20 years. I can recall that 401ks were a lot more liberal, meaning that they had a lot more investments that were uh, aggressive, where you could you could take more risk. Right now, they tend to be more conservative. So, you know, if you're a 25 year old getting into a 401k, um, you you don't have the kind of investment opportunities that you might have had 20 years ago, or that you might have in option two, which is. Let's get into that second choice. The 401k, you can roll over into an IRA. It's called a rollover IRA. So you leave employer A, whether or not you've got a job at employer B or not, you can open up a rollover IRA. Sounds fancy, maybe a little intimidating, but it can really be a breeze with a little patience and know-how. Starts right here. Simply put, what you need to do is step one, open a rollover IRA with either your favorite financial advisor or online brokerage or with a bank brokerage that will open it for you. Step two, if you're doing it yourself, you contact the HR department from your previous employer, tell them you're rolling over your 401k into an IRA. They will ask for your new account number from step one. Then they mail you a check. Step three, Follow the instructions from the firm that holds your new rollover IRA to deposit that check in full. And I'll get to that in full part again. It's important. Step four, you invest the money in stocks, bonds, and funds, right? Easier, easier said than done. But, you know, we, we could talk about that as well. Five things not to do when doing a rollover, okay? You know, Andrew, you and I both have experience in the bank brokerage, and we saw people come into the bank and say, hey, I've got a 401k that I want to roll over into an IRA. And we say, great, bank IRA or brokerage IRA? 
I believe, and because of where interest rates are right now, I, I think I can say this with a fair degree of certainty, that opening a bank IRA does not make sense. So let's differentiate. An IRA is opened with a custodian from either a bank or a brokerage firm. If you open it with a bank, you're getting bank products. And there's only two, savings accounts and CDs. The bank can offer you a savings account. Right now, interest rates are all below 2%, maybe 0.4, or a CD. Maybe you get a 2% CD. But think about what you're doing there, right? Especially if you're nowhere near retirement age, you're saying, hey, I'm going to defer the taxes on 2%, right? Okay, so I, I disagree. Uh, I disagree that a blanket statement like opening a bank IRA doesn't make sense. And you have to think about, and this is just me thinking as a planner, a bank IRA in CDs and, and money market funds may make a ton of sense for somebody who does not have the risk capacity for traditional stock, bond, or, or any other non-risk-free type of investment. And a lot of times when, when retirees are retiring, the number one singular focus of the assets that they've saved is to generate some sort of guaranteed income. And while there's a lot of you know, mythology around, you know, safe withdrawal rates, 4%, you know, invest for a long period of time, so on and so forth. Realistically, your only guaranteed source of, of income is going to come from, you know, one of a couple of places. One, insured bank FDIC bank products, right? Laddered CDs, or some sort of like self-purchased pension program through like an annuity. I would just caution that the idea that never open a bank IRA is not a blanket statement I would make only because financial planning is a relative topic, not an absolute topic, meaning that this is relative to you, the listener, you, the individual. Now, while I, what I will agree is that in today's environment, in 2021, the summer of 2021, interest rates are low, right? Returns on those types of things are very, very low. And the probability that you will be able to generate enough income to sustain your retirement lifestyle based on what on average people save is very low. If you have very modest income needs, let's say you, you spend $100,000 a year, and you have a $15 million IRA, then have at it. Go open a bank IRA. You'll be fine. <laughs> so well, yes, I just, I, I want to yeah, make, I want to make that very, very clear is that one of the things I do not like, and it's my problem with Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, and all the other financial, financial pundits that I am not trying to be like, right? The financial pornography that's out there is to be very right. clear that a lot of this stuff is very relative. So I, I just disagree with a statement that five things not to do, open a bank IRA. I don't agree with that. I think you could just understand what that means. Right. And, and I believe I did use, I was careful to use the qualifier, right? To not be absolute. In general, a bank IRA is not going to get you any rate of return that's significant, meaning less than 1%. And we are, we're dealing with 2021 interest rate numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Again, of course, there's going to be the the outliers, the anomalies, where you know if you have 10 million dollars in your in your 401k 
and you're okay with getting a half a percent interest, have at it, right? Correct. But most of the time in those situations, we could see that you know a bank IRA might make sense for a portion of that, right? And there's there's other secure investments such as government bonds, treasuries, things of that nature that you could do better in. Correct. Uh, I'm, I'm I didn't want to, to I didn't want to hijack and sidetrack the conversation. I just wanted to be clear on that point. No, it's it's important, Matt, because I am a hundred percent with you. Um, Susie Orman drives me nuts. I, I saw a couple of clips of her over the weekend, and I, it's been like twenty years. She's been driving me nuts, and it and it's because of that very thing that we were we were talking about, right? Hey, you should do this. Who's she talking to, right? right. Like, it's she's talking to you know a million people. They don't all have the same needs, right? So we're we're trying to make that generalization. Um, the bank IRA is, is probably not the best thing for you if you want some any kind of significant return on your money, right? Again, the 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 MO of the of the whole uh, episode here is not taking that low hanging fruit or the easy road because it's the easy road, right? It's easy to walk into a bank. You can walk in and out in 15, 20 minutes and get that bank IRA open. Don't do it because it only takes you 15 minutes. Take the extra 15 minutes, do the rollover IRA into the brokerage IRA where you have an infinite amount of choices, okay? Seemingly infinite, right? So number two, things not to do when doing a rollover. And this is, you know, again, not an absolute, but I I see people doing this. They go, well, I'm going to buy the same funds I had in my 401k, they worked for me for the past 10 years. Again, we're going back to number one, where leaving your money in your 401k, you've got a limited amount of 15 to 20 funds. Don't go crazy, but realize that you have more choices uh, than you had in your 401k, and that's why you're rolling it over, okay? Well, the most significant portion of that, it let's let's say you were, let's say you had a great fund in your 401k, and you you did want to own that same fund and continue owning it because it, it worked fine. Rolling rolling that over into an IRA, it is likely that you will incur more fees and costs with purchasing that same fund in an IRA than you would in a 401k. This is even more relevant today than it was even just five, 10 years ago as the Department of Labor and continuing regulation as it surrounds the 401k, 403b, or other qualified types of plans, the costs and fees on on those funds are oftentimes much, much lower than what you're going to buy just in the open market. So if you are going to keep that same fund, it would certainly be in your best interest to just leave it where it is. Because uh, it's right. going to, you know, if you're rolling it over, the intention should be that you will have, because you have more options, you can now go out and look for much more productive investments for your specific portfolio needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So number three, things not to do when doing a rollover, day trade it. Uh, I've seen this before, right? You work for a company for 10 years and you got $100,000 in your 401k and they give you these, you know, 15 conservative funds, you choose from them. Now you've got it beefed up. It's 200 grand and you, you're 40 years old. You roll it over to an IRA and, and the person that does the uh, rollover paperwork for you says, what do you want to buy? Well, I want to buy Apple stock today. I want to buy options. I want to buy, you know, I want to trade. I want to trade my IRA. Again, this is a blanket statement, by no means an absolute, but in general, I'm saying bad idea. 
right? Well, I think that that transcends just IRAs, right? It, an IRA by nature is a long-term investment. Even if today you are 65 and you're rolling over your, your 401k from your last employment ever, right? Now you're going to switch over into those golden years. Your retirement investments still need to last you and will have an investment time horizon uh, theoretically until the day you die. So on average, that person's going to live for another 25, 30 years into retirement. So it's important to understand that you still have a long-term time horizon. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, long-term investment strategies are not incorporating day trading types of methodology in there. Day trading can, one, not only subject you to the emotional swings of the marketplace, oftentimes it's going to be very costly, right? So you're paying for commissionable trades and and things of that nature. So I think, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. And I'm pretty comfortable going on an absolute here. Don't day trade your retirement accounts in in any account because these are long-term investments and that's just not a sustainable long-term investment strategy. Yeah, or or even month trade or week trade or quarter trade, right? And and I think the allure of it that that gets most people is, well, I can now buy stocks or funds, get rid of them three, six months later, and there's no taxable ramifications for the for the for the gains. So why wouldn't I buy why wouldn't I buy Apple at 125 and sell it at 130, then buy it again at 127? It's just it's a bad habit. And Statistically speaking, it's probably not going to be as successful as if you set it and forget it with some some good stocks and some good funds and maybe even some good bonds, right? While I while I do agree, you actually present a fairly interesting argument to why it would be better to day trade in that tax deferred account opposed to if you have a taxable investment because you will defer, you know, the avoidance of capital gains short term and, and things of that nature. So while again, I do agree I don't, I don't think it's a very good investment strategy to prescribe to. If you were going to do it, eh, maybe that is the account to do well, it. Sorry. Yeah. If, look, if, you, if you're Marty McFly and you want to go back and buy Nike in 1985, right? Yes, of course. If you know that you're going to be successful doing that day trading, you want the taxable part to be in, in your tax deferred account. But you know that's uh, that's that's another episode. Yeah, that's that's another episode. Number four, things not to do: cash out a little. Certainly situational. If you have to do it, you have to do it. Um, But I I think a lot of people don't um, acknowledge the taxable ramifications, right? You've got, let's say, $100,000 in your IRA and you're you're 50 and you go, well, I'm going to roll over $80,000 and I'm just going to take $20,000 and do some remodeling or take $20,000 and do something else. If you, that's, it's federally and state taxable. And also, there's a 10% penalty for, for early withdrawals. Prior, so you prior be, to 59 and a half. So I think that, that's the, the right. caveat here is the cashing out a little is that much more important for those of you who are not yet retired, specifically for those of you in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. Once you get into your, your 50s and 60s, now this just becomes a little bit more of a kind of a minutia discussion, right? Because there may be those expenses. There may be some overhanging debt. Generally speaking, in your 20s and 30s, no, don't cash out your 401k to pay off your credit card. That's probably not a good idea. Dial back the spending, 
right? Be more aggressive on paying down your credit card debt and, you know, just be more, more responsible with your budget. As you get into your, your mid to late fifties or sixties, now, now this certainly is just a, a conversation to have about carrying a debt load into years where you may be losing earning power. Well, you know, that's a great point that I didn't think of, Andrew, is the, the, the credit card uh, situation. And this is where I love where the psychology of investing uh, meets the calculator, right? Meaning that if you're paying 17% of your credit cards and you look at your 401k and you're going to roll it over and you let's just say you owe 20,000, you go, well, okay, I'm going to take 20,000 out of my 401k so I'm not paying 17% on the credit cards. That's not how it works. That's not how the calculator works on that equation because you might think, oh, I'm only making 10% a year on my 401k and I'm paying 17% of my credit card. But when you make that withdrawal from the 401k, the federal taxes, let's just say 25%, state taxes, let's just call it 5%, 10% penalty. You're, you have to take out $30,000 to get $20,000 net. So again, what you said is absolutely correct. I, I think it's the best option to pay off the credit cards in a methodical way pay that minimum payment plus some principal every month until you get there, right? Don't use your taxable retirement money with the penalties to uh, to, to pay off some, some mounting debt. Yeah, and uh, let me say it again, especially if you're younger, right? Th right. This is, this speaks to the episode. Taking, taking a little bit of money out to pay off your credit card debt is the easy button. That's easy, that's easy to do, but you're creating for yourself not only a little bit more of a financial problem today, but a much larger financial problem tomorrow. So buck up and, and pay off the debt. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and I get it, right? We, we've been there. It's that psychological reset button. You're like, okay, I know it might not be the smartest thing to do, but if I do it, then I got zero credit cards and then I can just start again, start new. Maybe not the best idea, right? No, so, it's not. Number five, let's get into the kick in the can, right? leave the old 401k and quote, let's just see what happens. It can be very easy for us to, to sit back and say, hey, these funds worked for me for the past 5, 10, 20 years. Why mix it up? Why change anything? And, you know, as we've said in previous episodes, right, you want to look at your investments according to age, time horizon, risk tolerance, and those things change. When you started that job at 25 years old, uh, you had different goals, hopes, and dreams, right? Maybe those funds worked for you back then. Maybe the market worked for you back then. Maybe you were all in on on bonds in 2012, and, and, and that worked for you. Doesn't mean that it's working for you now. So, while it's easy to say, hey, you know, it's been okay, why rock the boat? Like these catchphrases that we hear so often, probably not a good idea. Shout right? out to our catchphrase episode. So I'm going to challenge you again on number five, things not to do, because I mean, our back and forth is a part of this whole show. So we started out today saying that there are two options, right? So I, I would argue that there are actually four options for old, 
old 401ks. The four options would be the two that we included. Roll it into your new company 401k plan. Roll it into an IRA. The third, which you just mentioned, leave it alone at the the current 401k. Uh, And the fourth, which you alluded to, which would be just to cash out completely. So of those those four options, the cash out completely has a a number of issues, which we just discussed uh, and alluded to those issues in the cash out a little uh, segment there. The leave it in the 401k option. So what are the pros and the cons? So the, the pros are, Simplicity, right? So it's already there. If theoretically it's already invested, you don't have to think about it. And out of sight, you are less likely to be tempted to reallocate, move it because of good markets, bad markets, and all of the rest of the things. And it's just going to sit there for the long haul, which I would agree is a, a great practice to have when you have your your retirement accounts. What's the downside? Well, one, it's another account. So one of the things that you and I talk a lot about with people we work with is just the simplicity of your finances. Less accounts is usually more. Don't have four different retirement statements in. Don't have 15 different websites that you have to check you know, to, to look at all your different accounts. There is some power in consolidating uh, those accounts. Plus, now you can you can emphasize a singular investment strategy, right? So looking at that that asset allocation. If you're not doing that, or if you if you have a personality who's prone to change things, touch things, maybe be tempted to take that money out, I would say the out of sight, out of mind could potentially be a, a good option. So yeah, just just some some diversity in schools of thought on how to address one what all of your options are and how to come to the conclusion of what's going to be the best option for you. And by the way, before you do anything with an old 401k, every plan administrator is going to send you with something called the special tax notice, which is going to outline all of these different options and, and give you, hey, here's the pros and cons of, of all of them. Here's the tax implications that come along with all of these. And I agree. And Andrew, I think those, those are two other options, right? Which I frankly didn't consider, but I, I consider option three, you know, cashing out, right? We, we seem to think because we do this uh, in our business, you know, that's an obvious, hey, you don't want to be left with half of what you have in there because of taxes and penalties, that's et cetera. Right. right. So, but I would equate um, the leave it where it is uh, option along with uh, roll it over into your new companies because it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? You're, you're putting it into a 401k in some way, shape, or form, right? And you're limiting yourself to those 15 options, which, you know, again, if you know yourself well enough to not have the discipline to establish an IRA and not day trade it, then maybe you do want to leave it there, Right. Yeah. And again, I, th- I think for, for simplicity, if I'm going to ro- roll into an IRA and buy low cost index investments anyway, which is oftentimes what people do at retirement accounts, and they already offer low cost indexed investments in a 401k, why, why, wouldn't, I, why wouldn't I just leave it there? Uh, again, my argument to that would just be simplicity and consolidation. Why have four different accounts that are doing essentially the same thing? You should have that consolidated and centralized into one account. And I generally think of, I've always rolled over my own personal 401ks because the IRA is the final resting place, right? 401ks will come and go. 
And, you know, you could change jobs. The actual plan could change. Maybe the company discontinues a plan, changes plan sponsors. So there's a lot of things that can change regarding your 401k that you don't have control over. Your IRA will always be the final resting place, meaning I don't have to move it anywhere after that. I can always keep that, that IRA and, and continue to consolidate and roll over other retirement plans into that place. So that, that becomes my final stop for those dollars until I eventually spend right. it. And, and Andrew, I think in a future episode, very soon, I want to get into that very topic of consolidation of IRAs, Roth conversion, and commingling funds. Because when we're, when we're talking about the 401k into a rollover IRA, uh, we've got to have that conversation soon about commingling funds and, and, and what that entails. But you just, you today, just broke one of the rules of, of dollars and sensibilities podcast, which is that was a lot of financial jargon in two sentences. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that was, that was the biggest teaser I've ever heard. <laughs> no. <laughs> commingling, conversion. Okay. You roll over IRA and then you're going to commingle funds and then you're yeah. going to put it back in your other form. Okay. I get it. We're going to explain that later. So for today, look, folks, we really hope this helps you helps you out when making a decision. Uh, Andrew, I, I think this is one of those rare situations where we can make the choice clear for most people. But given that starting a new job or leaving it all one is stressful enough, we just we just want to give you some ease in managing your financial world, right? So thank you as always for listening to Dollars and Sensibilities. Please like, subscribe, comment, tell a friend that needs to be sensible with their dollars. Uh, I'm Bill McBride. I'm Andrew Martz. Keep on rolling. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.